All right. Thank you, Eddie. And good morning, everybody. I it's just fun listening to Eddie tell his story, tell his testimony there. Some part of his testimony of how God's worked in his life. And I was just thinking as we were worshiping this morning how truly honored I am to be associated with so many of you, really all of you who I know. Um, I, as, I, as I hear the stories and I know and see what God's doing in, in your lives, just week in and week out, I'm so impressed that, wow, this thing's really working. Like, these are people that stepped out in faith to follow Jesus and walk with an invisible God. And life is oftentimes difficult and challenging, and there are questions and things to work through. But I am continually hearing the stories of how you all, how God is showing up and, and seeing the process of growth that's happening in your lives. And so I'm just like, man, this, this it's so encouraging and fulfilling. That's really what this is all about, is God transforming us into the people that he's made us to be. And really all the glory goes to him, because... He's the one who does that. And it's interesting, as we're talking about courage today, and Eddie told some of his story. And yeah, he was a Marine. He flew Black Hawk helicopters in the Army. But it's funny that I think probably what was scarier to him than any of those things is the internal battles, the internal fears and insecurities. And for, you know, we were joking like, you know, most people, they're maybe scared to step out and do something new. God's plan that took courage for Eddie was, no, you need to, like, stay in one place for a little while and, like, get baptized and commit to a church and, like, put some roots down. Like, everything in Eddie's old life was like, no, don't do that. You're hemming me in. You know, there's, there are things in all of us that, that we have fears and insecurities. I, you know, my own life, we could spend hours and hours talking about my fears and insecurities, but we won't do that. But... <laughs> I, I grew up in really incredibly shy, very quiet. Some of that is my, my God-given personality, just being more quiet. But a lot of that was really fears and insecurities. I went through life and social set, situations and interactions with people, especially as I got into the elementary school and, and older, just being pulverized with fear about what... I don't know what to say. I don't know what people are thinking about me. Will they reject me? Will, will they think that I'm a loser? And just continually, like, really being, feeling like it tied up inside and not knowing what to say and being afraid to interact socially with people. And by the grace of God, he's, he's led me through that. It's, I'm much better than I used to be, thank God. Uh, it's really is really is miraculous, but we all have our own issues. We all we talk about courage, and courage is like yeah, but there's no need for courage unless there are fears and insecurities that we have to face. And so that's you all texted in your some of your top uh, top things that take courage for you. So I, Rob, do we have those? Let's see what they are. All right, top answer was number six: entering a new social experience alone followed closely by risking rejection, very similar. And then disappointing someone, tied with risking the anger of someone you care about, sharing your faith. Yeah, it's interesting how many of these have to do with our interactions with other people and what comes up on the inside of us in those situations. And 
we're uh, going to talk about courage today. You know, we all, we all have insecurities. We're going to look at a story in the Bible that I love because it deals with the disciples, Jesus' 12 disciples, and it shows their fears and insecurities and how God met them in that place, how Jesus met them in that place and brought them into a place of greater courage. So let's um, look, with, look with me at Matthew chapter 14. I'm just going to pray before we, before we go on any further. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for what, all you're doing in our, in our lives today. We want to honor you by, by opening up our hearts to you, giving you our attention. Lord, I ask that you would, you would bring your word to us now, that you would, you would take my words and make them your word, your words. God, give us what we need. Lord, we trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to read in Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. But to set it up, before we go there, we need to understand what had happened previously that day. And so, early on in this day, Jesus had gotten the news that his cousin, John the Baptist, who was, was one of the, his leading allies, he had previously been arrested by the, the king of that area, Herod, and he just got the news that morning that Herod had been beheaded. Herod had been killed for standing up for God, standing up for righteousness. And so this was news that would have hit Jesus and his disciples very hard, um, on a, both on a personal level because of their friendship with him, but also the sense of the movement they were a part of and, and seemed promoted. Like, oh man, there's, man there, we're running into serious opposition here. And so... There was a lot to process. And so it says that Jesus actually took his disciples to go to a place privately to get away from the crowds for a while. But what happened is people found him. And this huge crowd met them. They're in this place of trying to just get some space. And a crowd of 5,000 men plus a whole bunch of women and children were there. And Jesus ended up spending the whole day teaching them, doing miracles, healing the sick. And it, it says at the end of the day, the disciples came to him and said, okay, this has been good. It's been, but the day is over. It's time to send the crowd away. You know, they were, they were a little tired by this point. And Jesus said, well, we can't send them away. We need, why don't you give them something to eat? And Jesus does this miracle of, of taking five loaves of bread and two fish and multiplying it and feeding this crowd of probably 10,000 plus people. And that's all great and glorious. But if you think about it on a personal level, that Jesus and his disciples had been giving of themselves. They had been expending themselves, even from a place of, of exhaustion and weariness on the front end. And so, finally this is all over, and people disperse, and we, we pick up in, in verse 22. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. This is... This is interesting because there's a difference between, and I'm not going to go into this too much, but there are kind of two groups of people around Jesus. There's the crowd, which is the people that he has a heart for and he ministers to and he cares for and he gives himself to. And then there are the disciples. And Jesus loves them and gives himself to them. But it's a little tougher being a disciple than being in the crowd. 
And really, that's a question that we all have to answer for ourselves, is that Jesus is always in the business of calling people from the crowd to be disciples. And it's a question of, do I want to be in the crowd, or do I want to be a disciple? Do I want to be all in? Do I want to be following Jesus everywhere that he's calling me to, and being trained to be the person he's, he's calling me to be? And, you know, it's, I might encourage you to choose to be in the crowd, not a disciple. Because the crowd gets to go home, but the disciples don't get to go home. They don't even get to go find a hotel or an inn nearby and, like, chill for a little while. No, it's the end of the day. They're bone tired. And Jesus says, hey, all right, you get in this boat. And it, the word is actually, it's not, we don't even get it as strong here, but it says he compelled them. He basically commanded them and forced them, hey, no, you're not going to get any rest. You get in that boat right now, and you're going to go to the other side of the lake. And so praise him. That's the life of a disciple sometimes. You don't feel like it, but Jesus is like, no, I've got something more for you. Get in this boat and keep going. And it goes, so we, we keep reading here. Where am I? Man, okay. After he had dismissed them, dismissed his disciples, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. Okay, so not only does Jesus put his disciples in a boat and tell them to go across the lake, but it's not smooth sailing. It's not a nice, peaceful night for their sailboat to just go across the lake. But the wind is against them, and the waves are, you know, when, what happens when it's windy on the water is the waves get bigger and bigger and rougher, and they're going against it. And how do you think the disciples are feeling about now? Not real good. They're, you know, they're not their best selves at this point. I'm sure there was some bickering going on between the disciples. Hey, you, it's your turn to row. No, I just did it for an hour. I've, you keep going. You're taking my space. This boat's not big enough. I'm tired. Was, they were not their best them in this moment. And so, they, uh, so there they are. In verse 25 it says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Well, of course he did. I mean, this is like, just <laughs> says it so plainly. Okay, yeah, so Jesus walked on the lake. Nice. Well, this, is one of the, this is one of the stories of Jesus that is most commonly known, probably, in, in the world. That, oh, he's the one who walked on the water. But he should always stop and ponder that. Wow, that's, that's pretty amazing that here Jesus is, is walking on top of the water. And you think, like, okay, he's coming to them. He's coming to the disciples. This is a good thing, right? It's, it's going to get better. Jesus, their master, their, their savior, their leader is, is coming to them. But it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And, you know, it's easy for us to, to think, oh, those, those weak disciples, they didn't see Jesus. But imagine if it was you or me, well, that's a pretty logical response, right? It's dark outside and you see this figure walking on the water. Like, I think that's where our brains would naturally go. That's, that's actually a pretty good deduction, that there's something from the spirit world is, is what we're encountering here. And you know, I think if you can just step back from this, because this is often how Jesus comes to us. 
You know, we want Jesus to come to us and get in the boat with us and fix all our problems and give us a nice cup of hot chocolate and put his arm around us and sing us nice songs and make us feel wonderful. And sometimes Jesus does that. But a lot of times, we're going through life that looks a lot like the disciples on this lake. It's windy, the waves are big, it feels like we're rowing as hard as we can and we're not getting anywhere. And sometimes it's like, wait, but God, I thought you told me to do this. You told me to go across the boat. It doesn't feel like you're in this thing right now. It feels like I'm all alone in this. It feels like everything is against me. And then, some other events happen, and to us, it looks like this is really bad. This is a bad thing. This situation is happening, or this person did this, or these, these events that are happening, like, if there's anything spiritual going on, it's not the good spiritual kind of stuff that I'm experiencing right now. We feel like it's, it's bad, but actually, oftentimes, Jesus is walking towards us in those situations. And it's just not the way that we expect him to come to us. But oftentimes that's the way he comes to us. All right. Anybody else experience that? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Keep on reading here. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Jesus said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Courage is so important. You know, it's important that we think of courage as just something that some people have and some people don't. But that's not how it works. Jesus says, Here, take it. It's something you've got to grab hold of. You can choose to take courage in this moment, in this situation where you're at right now. And courage is so important. I read a quote this week by, by Clara Booth Luce, who she was the first woman in the U.S. to be appointed to an ambassador position. She became the ambassador to Italy and, and then to Brazil. Um, she's actually an incredibly accomplished woman. She, she was the one who had the idea for Life magazine. Um, she wrote plays. She was a very, very prominent person. And but she said this. She said, courage is the ladder on which all the other virtues mount. Courage is the ladder on which all the other virtues mount. It's everything good that we come into in life, it starts from the place of courage. And, you know, that's, it's also true that cowardice is the sin that leads to a whole lot of other sins. And I'm not going to get into it, but if you look at what the Bible says about, about cowards, it's, it's really scary. Because it leads into a whole lot of other really serious sins that we, that it's, it's the cowardice, the lack of trusting God, the lack of having courage, that we kind of think, oh, that's just how I am. But it really is not just an innocent thing. It really leads us into all sorts of, of, of sins. Um, but as, we, as, as, as Eddie mentioned, our, our title is Courage is, our definition for courage is not that you just have some innate feeling, but courage is doing it afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear. 
It's not that you don't feel any feelings of fear, but courage is doing what you need to do from the place of being afraid. If, if you weren't afraid, it wouldn't really be courage. It would just be stupid. Uh, it's, courage is, man, I, I don't feel like this. I don't want to do this. Everything in me is telling me I shouldn't do this. But I'm going to do it anyway. It's the right thing to do. It's what needs to be done. That's, that's what courage is. And um, a lot of times, I read another quote this week by a book by, by this woman named Paula Reinhart. She said, fear can breed a kind of paralysis that makes you think you have to wait until the fear is gone to do the thing you need to do. Right? Isn't fear paralyzing? You're like, oh man, I can't do anything while I'm feeling like this. And sometimes even that comes out in our prayers. We're like, God, will you just help me get over this fear so that I can do this thing? Help me get over this fear of failure or this fear of rejection or whatever the fear is. God, help me get over this fear. And that's not usually how it works, I hate to tell you. Usually how it works is you obey God. We obey God and do what we're afraid to do. And in that place, oftentimes the feelings of fear dissipate. But they don't just go away on their own. It's only as we step out that the fear is overcome. And that's, that's so, so powerful. Courage is so important. So often, I mean, this is just a refrain throughout the Bible when God would speak to people or when angels would visit people. But so often their words were, don't be afraid. Take courage. Fear not. Over and God's word to us is always so encouraging. Take, take courage. And it's, it's amazing that even hearing those words does something to us. That when someone says, hey, no, have courage. Take courage. When God says, have courage, there's something in his word that causes something to start stirring inside of us. It's, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe I can do that. But courage is, is often something we struggle to have. And you know, I... I want, to just, I want to say something this morning just to the men in the room. And I'm trying to choose my words wisely because I in no way mean to say this that it excludes women. It takes incredible courage to live the life God has called us to, whether you're a man or whether you're a woman. Courage is essential to living out this calling. But there is something innate in the in, the, in what it means to be a man that is equated with courage. In fact, there's a book, there's a, a verse in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It says, Be watchful, stand fir- firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. It's speaking to men in this situation. And some translations take that phrase, act like men, and translate it, be courageous, have courage. Because that's what you say, be a man. There's, we kind of innately know, like, that's, there's an essence of what it means to be a man that means to take courage. And again, this is absolutely true for women as well, but there's, there's an especial attack on men to attack our courage. We see it all the way back. Um, from the, there's this thing, that the men not acting like men, but instead being passive. We see it all the way back in the Garden of Eden when, when Adam and Eve were first tempted. And it says, the devil tempted Eve, but Adam was right there the whole time. And his sin was that he was passive. He didn't take action, but he just stood passively by and didn't step up and do something in that situation. And so, there, I think in this generation particularly, there is a, there, there is a difficulty in a battle over, over men living with courage.
But that's what Jesus calls us to. And back to the story here. So Jesus says, don't be afraid, take courage. And I love this next verse. In verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. This, now this was, it was about probably 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning at this time. And maybe Peter was just deluded. Because this is a really crazy thing to say. Lord, Jesus says take courage. And you say, you know, a good response is, okay, oh yeah, all right, I'll be brave. I'll stick it out. But Peter goes a whole step farther. And he says, okay, these, this water that we're scared of, that maybe we're going to drown, if it's you, God, I'm going to ask you to tell me to step out of this boat and step onto that water and walk on the very thing that I'm afraid of. And I think this is very telling because Peter had been around Jesus long enough that he knew that this is how Jesus operates. How did he know if this was just some spirit or if this was Jesus? Well, if it was Jesus, he was going to tell his disciples to do something impossible. He was going to tell them to do something courageous. He was going to tell them to do something they couldn't do on their own. That is how he would know whether this was Jesus or not. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus comes to us and he loves us enough to call us out of our fears and our insecurities and to say, step out. And so Peter knew Jesus and he knew, okay, that's, if, if that's him, that's what he'll do. He'll ask me to act courageously. And that's because that's how Jesus works with us. And, you know, I, you think that we, our, our natural human tendency is to try to, like, get in a place of safety and comfort, right? We want things to, to just be under control. And, and even if we risk once, we think, okay, now I'm in a safe place, right? But the life of walking with God is that all, Jesus always calls us in a place that touches our greatest weaknesses, our greatest vulnerabilities, our greatest insecurities, our greatest fears. He comes to those places, and he says, here, trust me in that. I'm going to call you to do something that you can't do on your own, that you're afraid to do. And then you do it, and it's, it's great. And just last week, I was, I was realizing, you know, I think I've kind of gotten a place of, of, I can go through the, I can coast a little bit with my life right now. And I realize God's not in that. Like this is, I'm missing the thrill of walking with God. Because God always calls us to a place of courage and trusting him. And you can't live without it. Like this is the life we were made for. But in some ways, it doesn't ever get any easier. It's not about finding an easy way to live. It's about, you do, like the more you walk with God and the more you you step out in faith, you get used to that. And you, you, it, it becomes more instinctive or more like, okay, yeah, I can do this. But there's still the pain and the insecurity and the risk is always right there if we're walking with Jesus. So, but Peter says, Lord, if it's you, ask me to come out to you on the water. In verse 29, come, he said. That's what Jesus says to us, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. And how awesome is that? 
I mean, this is like the highlight reel of highlight reels. The dude's walking on the water. I mean, he goes to this place of being delirious with fear, and he steps out of the boat, and he walks on the water, and the water holds him up, or God holds him up on the water. And he's doing it. It's incredible. And that's, it works. When we, when God speaks to us and commands us to come into something, when we trust him and obey him, then he holds us up in that place in ways that we couldn't even understand, that we can't make happen on our own, but he does it. And, man, that's the incredible thing. I mean, I would, wouldn't you rather, if you were one of the 12, like, be like, oh, shoot, I wish I'd done it before Peter did. How come he's the one who always stepped out? Man, I, I should have told Jesus that. There's a reason that Peter became the leader of the 12, that he became the leader of the church, because he was the guy who stepped out in faith when nobody else did. And there, you come into something new when we come into those places that, that God calls us to. It says, Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Isn't that kind of funny if you think about it? Like, he's walking on the water. All right, that's defying the laws of physics. But fear is not logical. Because his fear comes into his mind and go, oh, wait a minute, it's, the waves are big. Oh, shoot, I can't do this. And it doesn't matter how big the waves are. It has no, nothing to do with whether you can walk on them or not. All right? You can't walk on a centimeter of water. But fear is not logical. And so he took his eyes out Jesus. He saw, the, he saw the wind. He saw the waves. And he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And so, all right. He stepped out in faith. He was courageous. Then he chickened out, and he started to sink. But you know what? It was okay. He didn't die. He didn't drown. Jesus grabbed him. Jesus didn't say, hey, too bad. You know, you went part way, but you didn't go all the way. See you at the bottom of the lake. No. Jesus grabbed him, picked him up, and that's what he does for us. Jesus is very compassionate, very patient, works with us. He meets us where we're at. As we're stepping out in faith, as we're walking with him, he, he comes through. And so, they, they got in the boat. In verse 32, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. You know, this whole thing led to people recognizing who Jesus was and, and worshiping him. And it's, it's funny that after he got in the boat, the wind stopped. Jesus controlled the wind and the waves the whole time. It wasn't that things were windy and he, he was out of his control, but he had a purpose in the storm. And now that purpose was over. He said, okay, now it's time to, to calm things down. And that's what he does for us, too. So, man, I, I read the story, and it's like, man, I want to be like Peter. I don't feel like I'm Peter. Um, on a good day, I'm like the rest of the disciples still in the boat. And, um, but, man, I want to be like Peter. And so I, I think that's the response of probably all of us. It's like, yeah, I want to be like that. But the question is, is how? I want to, but, but how? How do we do that? And I just want to give you a couple pointers to how to live courageously, how to, how to do it afraid. 
First thing is this. How do I do it afraid? How do I do this? Well, the first thing we got to do is you got to expect voices in your head. All right? The voices in your head are not abnormal. That's part of being human in a fallen world. That's part of there being a devil. There are plenty of voices in our head telling us all the reasons why. That's not going to work. You've got to expect the voices in your head, but not just listen to them, but talk back to them. Listen to this verse in, in Joshua chapter 1. This is when God was calling Joshua to, to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. And God said this. He said, be strong and very courageous. There it is again. Be strong. Take courage. Be courageous. Keep this book of the law. That was the, the part of the Bible they had at that point, God's commandments. Always on your lips. Be strong and courageous. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Okay? I, I think you know he didn't mean like, Balance it on your lips like that. No, that's, that's not what he had in mind. No, it was take these commandments, take the word of God, and speak it. How do we be strong and courageous? We find God's word, we find God's word, commands to us, God's promises to us, and we don't just listen to all the fears and insecurities that are running wild in our head, but we take what God says and we speak it. We say, I can do all things through God, through Christ who strengthens me. I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. This is, God has given me an inheritance. He's given me a calling. Faithful is he who's called me, and he'll bring it about. God, you're my strength. You're my strong tower. You're my warrior. You're my hero. I can do this through you. And we don't just listen to those thoughts, but we speak what God says. And courage starts to rise up inside of us. So if we want to live courageously, we've got we to gotta not just listen to those voices, but speak God's truth. Talk back to Him. And the second thing, very simple, find out what God's calling you to and do it afraid. Find out what God's calling you to and do it afraid. How do you know what God's calling you to? Many of you are sitting there going, yeah, I know. I know what that is. A good way to tell what God's calling you to is maybe the thing that you feel the most scared of. That's probably a good indicator that there's like a war around that thing. Because that's what God is calling you to. And it's easy to do everything else. Be a good Christian. Do all these other things. Except that one thing that God's calling me to. And God is saying, no. Come into it. Do it. Do it afraid. You know, I, it's, it's crazy that like the greatest experiences of our life happen when we come into this. When we step out in faith. I mean, I remember I told you, I... I was so, so fearful of people, and I remember my freshman year of high school, I've told this story before, but I conjured up my courage to, to run for a student government position in my class. And we got to the place where we were supposed to give a speech before our class. And I got up in front of the class, and I totally froze. Totally froze. Like, couldn't think of anything to say, just looked at people, Felt like I was peeing my pants, even though I wasn't. I mean, it was like, uh, like slow motion train wreck in my mind. Just like, ah, like just horrible, just horrible. Just looking at people's pain expressions of feeling sorry for me as I stood there. And I mumbled a couple things. And probably like three sentences of nothing. And sat down. 
and needless to say, lost the election to the new girl who just moved in and nobody even knew. But they, <laughs> obviously, she was a much better leader than me. But I, a couple years, I, I was gone from that school the next year, and then the next year I moved back, and I was like, man, I know, I, I needed, that was something I need to do. And I, I ran for a student council position again. And it was like, I, I was able to talk to people. It was like the best, by far the best speech of my life at that point. There really wasn't much to compare it with. And I won the election against, like, someone I wouldn't have even run against if I'd known she was my competitor because, actually, she was a better person than I was for that role. But I stepped into it, and it was so awesome. Like, man, God, you met me in that place. And I'm so glad. And, you know, I think about, you know, we, I remember being a freshman at, at KU, my first year of college, and starting to get people in my life and encouraging me and helping me come out of my fear. And I remember... There were, we used to go out on campus, and I say we, meaning they, like the campus ministers would go out, and they would do this open-air preaching, like talking about God out on campus. And I saw this happen like two times, and I was there watching. He's like, wow, that's pretty cool. Wow, they're really brave. And so the third time we went out together, and we got out there, and they said, okay, Jonathan, we want you and the other students, why don't you prepare a little testimony, and you can say something. It's like, Okay, I'll do that. I'm scared to death, but I'll do that, I guess. So I prepared a little bit to say. And, but then the worst part is breaking the ice. And so I thought, well, they're going to get out and like, start talking to people, and then they're, introdu- they're going to introduce me. But they didn't do that. We got out there, and they're just like, okay, Hup, you're up. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? There's no way. But somehow I stepped up on a step, and I said something. It wasn't much. Like, hello, KU. <laughs> There's a God, and he's real, and you should follow him. And something just not much. But, you know, my life was changed in that moment. Like, stepping up to, to face my fears. Like, it did something in me that had never been done before. And beginning to take steps like that. I remember moving to Manhattan, and feeling like God was calling us here to start a church and literally not knowing anybody here and stepping out in faith. And it's like, it's so cool to see what God has done because of that. You know, everyone I've ever seen come to faith in Christ, it's because someone opened up their mouth and talked to them and got past those insecurities and fears. And that's why those of us that are believers, that's why we're here, because someone had the courage to talk to us. And so that's what God's calling us to do. That's where life is found. Is, is doing it afraid like that. And so I just want to leave you with, with, with the next step, which is, hey, ask the question, where is God prompting you to act courageously? What's God saying to you? What's that thing? Maybe it's revealing a vulnerability to a, a friend or family member. Maybe it's that conflict, having a difficult conversation with somebody. Maybe it's starting something new. Maybe it's starting a new job or quitting something, like Eddie quit his job. Maybe there's something you need to quit in order to come into what God has for you. Maybe it's letting someone know that you go to church or that you're a Christian or sharing your faith with someone or inviting someone to something. Maybe it's trusting God with your finances. Maybe it's putting God first in your, with your money. Maybe it's tithing, if you've never done that. Maybe it's 
something in that area. Maybe it's just your whole life you've never given to God. And it's, say, okay, God, I'm going to take courage and give you my life. I don't know how it's going to work out. But I'm going to give over control of my life to you and let you lead me. That is, that's the next step for you. And so the question is, what's God, where is God prompting you to act courageously? And what will you do about it this week? How's that? How about them apples? <laughs> Got that? All right, here's what I want to encourage you to do. If I would love, we would love to hear some of the testimonies, some of the stories of what God does as you do this. And so I was thinking about just asking people to like stand up right here and say, this is what God's speaking to me. Um, but I'm not going to do that, not because I don't want to put you on the spot, because hey, that's part of courage. But I'd rather give you a chance to walk this out a little bit and do it. And so I want to encourage you, if there's something God puts on your heart to do, we would, and then you do it, we would love to hear those stories. And so if you could just email our church, info at bluemont.church, the story of what happens and what God does in your life. Maybe it's today, or maybe it's this week, or maybe it's in the next month. But it would be great to hear those stories. And, and maybe we could share some of those on, on Sundays or put them on Facebook and, and share the stories, because those are encouraging as we hear what one another, one another are doing and stepping out in faith. All right? Okay. Do it afraid. Do it afraid. Man, this is the life we were born for. This is what God calls us into. This is, this is why we watch exciting movies, because we like watching people live that way. But it's even better to live that way ourselves. And that's what God's got for us. So, Jenny, go ahead.